Today's episode of the Rough Drafts podcast is brought to you by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Their esports book covers all of your favorite titles, including League of Legends. Bet for free with Unicorns, which you can use to enter raffles for gaming prizes, and even earn Unicorns just by playing your favorite games. Some regions can even place real money bets. And while you're there, be sure to check out the esports news page, where you could read great articles from their writing staff, including me, host Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. It's time to put your esports expertise to the test. Log on today. Hello Internet, this is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to the Redshirt King Manifesto. That's right, we're doing this week two Group C preview here at the World Championship. I'm very excited to talk about these teams today. If I sound a little bit off, it's because I just finished watching Group B, and Group B is a great example of how much the things that we are so confident on week one can just twist and go horribly wrong. Uh, rest in pieces, Immortals. Rest in pieces, the Gigabyte Marines. Fanatic at 0-3, who cares? They're out, and good for them. But this means that when I look at Group C here, I, I'm second-guessing myself a little bit. You know, this is where we look at these three teams, really, that are relevant, um... No offense to Fenerbahce, we'll get there in a second, but so you have three relevant teams here, and I'm, I'm not convinced that any one of them is so solid that I can definitively say, yes, this is how it's going to work out, this is where this group is going to end up, I, these are the breakdowns that make 100% sense, but that's going to make it kind of interesting. I think this is a fun moment as we get ready for these teams to really prove that they can do it with consistency. That's what this group stage is all about. You have a week, you do your great first three games, and you have to prove day in and day out you can get those one game a day and really make the most out of it. And then you have that week to prep. And if you can prep better than your opponents, you can have a great second day uh, in that, that week here. And that's what I'm excited to see. But... Let's get into it. Let's just jump right into Group C here with 1907 Fenerbahce as our last place team. They finished 0-3 last week, and they're probably going to finish 0-6. And that's okay, for the record. I, I know that you know there's a huge feeling within the League of Legends community that there is only one answer, right? It's either you, you win on this World Championship stage or you're an absolute failure, and that's just not the case. We, we live in a world right now where the gap between wildcard teams, quote-unquote, and the rest of the world is not as high as it used to be. But Fenerbahce is in a group of death with three really great teams. And so, it's, of course, it's going to be hard for them to, to show up and really get a win here the way that they would like. But I do think they've done enough things to say that they certainly belong on this stage. I don't think they're the worst team necessarily. Um, if you look at the, the whole of everything right now, 
cough, cough, flash wolves, cough, cough. So given what they've had to overcome, given they're a Turkish team that hasn't had a lot of scrim chances with these power regions and had to get a, a replacement jungler because for whatever reason, visa issues are a thing for one of two Koreans on their roster, not the other, but hey, that's not for me to, to figure out or understand per se. I, I like some of the things they're doing here. I don't like all of it, obviously. I, I think the biggest takeaway here is that their macro game isn't there right now. They're not able to keep up with the rotations that a team like Royal Never Give Up could throw their way or a team like G2 could throw their way. It felt like in both of those games they were pretty much just outmatched beat for beat. And some of that's going to come down to Crash. And, and Crash had a really rough week, I think, this week. If you were to look at the numbers here, uh, Crash with a 1.6 KDA, only Thaldrin on his team was worse. This was a team that, you know, messy across the board. But I, I think in general, you have to look at when you, when you have a, a jungler who really needs to be making plays, who really needs to get these laners going, and right now they're losing every lane, and right now their objective control is pretty terrible. I, yeah, I think it's safe to say that things aren't necessarily working out. If, if you look at the early game rating, you know how much is Crash getting done early for this team? They are dead last at 29.2. That is horrendous. And yeah, that's going to suck, and that's going to punish them, and it's going to mean that Fenerbahce are forced to play from behind all the time, and that's not where you want to be as a minor card, uh, minor region team. I keep getting minor region and wild cards switched up. We're not supposed to use wild cards anymore, I suppose. I feel like this is, if ever there was a wild card team to bring that card back out, I feel like this would be the time. But if they can get past that early game, they've shown a little bit of promise, right? That royal game went on a little bit longer than I think any of us expected it to. I, I think that, honestly, it, it came down to some rotational things uh, towards the end, but Fenerbahce held on. I, I felt like they were able to grab enough kills in the early game to, to keep themselves decent. I think that, you know, the, they were out-rotated and the mobility that... Royal had again with the with the Rexai with the Rise. That's going to be hard for any minor region team to keep up with. But they didn't fold. They showed a great deal of resilience. They showed that they were willing to skirmish. And in fact, I, I felt like they did a pretty decent job of that towards the end of the game. Didn't work because they had already lost so much that even a slight loss of a fight was going to be the end. But you know, they got there. They did make it relevant and then you look at their game against samsung and you see that this is a team that can keep up if they get a chance if they get to that mid to late game they had a pretty good sense of when they needed to take baron they had a very good sense of how to play around frozen and i really do think that frozen is the do or die player to watch for if they're gonna sneak a win in this group his echo was awesome I love watching his Echo. I love watching his Aurelian Soul 2. I'm waiting for that to come out. I think that's absolutely in play for this week. But I really love watching this guy play, and, and I think that he adds a, an aggressiveness, an, an extra element to that team, that little oomph that they need 
in the mid to late game skirmishes in order to keep themselves relevant. And I think he gives you that. I think Thaldrin's a problem. Uh, one eleven and two right now for a .3 KDA three games in. Those are some LEP numbers right there for people who remember the Kaboom days. It's not ideal. I feel like his teleports are off. I feel like his laning's pretty garbage. He has a 27.3% kill participation. That's not ideal. Averaging a negative 12.7 CS differential at 10 minutes. It, there are problems. Okay, this team has problems. There are concerns. They're not a very good team. They're not a bad team, though, and I think that that alone is worth celebrating. I think that they do have a, a sneaky win in them in the right moment. If a G2 or even a Royal lets up for a little bit, lets Frozen play on those comfort champs, really lets that whole offense start rolling, well, then suddenly the fact that Crash doesn't do a lot in the early game doesn't matter because your mid-game starts to smike. And, and you have Thaldrin, like, it doesn't matter because he's a tank, and you just, by existing, you end up having some value. I don't think it's very likely. I don't think this team is going to, to grab that win. I, I think that they're just not there yet. But I, I have to say they're a little bit better than I expected, given what we knew about Crash and... and the, te uh, the communication issues that we knew to expect, I think things can be a lot worse right now. Thaldrin's really bad. That's going to be something they have to fix if Turkey's going to be relevant again, because this is the third time now that we get to a major event internationally and Turkey qualifies and Thaldrin just gets destroyed. So that's, that's a problem. Everything else, good on you, Fenerbahce. You've You've done what you needed to do, and I appreciate you for that. Let's look at G2, the third-place team right now in this group. I, I don't know how I feel about their performance right now. I feel like they're a step away from where they need to be, and it's better to be one step away than five steps away every time for obvious reasons. And they do deserve credit for that. I don't want to take away everything that they have accomplished. There are some... Things I think are really working right now. Their early game is surprisingly great right now. 70.8 early game rating. The best of any team heading into week one. You gotta love that, right? You gotta appreciate how much they've been able to get going early. I, I think Sven's been huge for that. I think they've been able to secure those bot lane leads quite consistently, which is great to see. I, I think that we're looking at a trick that's being a little bit more proactive in the early phase, and that's nice. I think that that's certainly something that's going to help them. I also think that, hell, Expect seems to be doing very well in lane. They seem to be very confident, ganking up his way, getting him some resources, getting things flowing on that end. And that's important. I think that when you have those lanes working out, you know, each of your side waves comes together, your, your mid lane is holding up his end of the bargain. I, I think that's great. I think that's a great sign in the long run. But they're not converting these things to wins. And I, I think we have to look at why that's the case. And when you look at their game against Royal, it's a very obvious problem. They got cocky. And they got cocky because Perks gets cocky, because this is what happens when he's on this rise 
and he feels like he can go in and make these plays because look, I have this lead. I know I'm strong enough to do it. And he, you know, we have that moment in the river around 34 minutes. He goes and, you know, tries to pick that skirmish and they get outflanked and they get destroyed and Uzi starts getting kills and now suddenly they're being outscaled so they have to go for riskier fights which go even worse and the whole thing just snowballs out of their control. It's a mess and I, I think that ultimately you have to wonder how do you keep yourself in mentally if that's if you can't calm down and allow the game to play out, to allow yourself to get the advantages that are there versus the advantages that clearly aren't, you end up passing up great plays for good ones. And it was a good attempt. I, I didn't hate the idea per se, but it was an unnecessary risk. They could have waited out a little bit more, picked something around the Baron Pit, picked something around an Elder Drake and really made sure that they had everything they needed such that when they got that play, they can make something out of it. And I think that if we're going to criticize them for anything right now, the number one thing I would point to would be that lane efficiency. They are now below average around that like 10, 11 mark um, tied with a couple other teams, but it's 49.1% lane efficiency right now. That's not okay. If you can't set up your lanes such that when you get a play, when you get that skirmish that you really want, you can go get something after it, well, you might as well have not made the play in the first place, right? Because the kills aren't that much gold. That's not what gets you to your win condition. What gets you to your win condition is what you can now do because your opponent is dead and they can't react to what you're doing on the map anymore. That's what you need to be able to set up. And I feel like G2 has put the cart before the horse with a lot of that. And we saw the same problem against Samsung. I think that, you know, we kept seeing them rotate and they were just always a step behind. Samsung was always exactly where G2 was trying to go next and they'd put up this defense and then G2 would be like, oh, well, we'll go to this lane. And then, of course, that would be blocked off. And, and they were so, I would say, laser focused. They had one objective that they wanted to take at every single moment so that instead of setting up multiple options and letting themselves play the game out based on what Samsung or what Royal were going to give them, they were forced into these pigeonholes. And that has been devastating for them. That has failed basically at every turn. And I, I don't know whether they can fix that, to be honest. I, when you're winning the early game that hard, if you can't understand on this base level how to set up the mid game to take advantage of the early game stuff. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is supposed to be what G2 does, right? Their mid game is what we've been pointing to. Their ability to skirmish and get those team fights around objectives, that's what's allowed them to be so punishing in Europe because they get that fight and they do close. And I think a lot of it can be put on trick. And I know we've been harping on trick basically all split. And people are going to look at me and they're going to say, oh, Trick hasn't been that bad. You know, he's got a couple great kills. He's getting these lanes going. The early game is working out. And, and to a certain extent, maybe. But almost no counter-jungling pressure at any point. Um, no, no real deep vision. Not any great invades. The invades that they, they've tried didn't really go very well. 
he's really sat back and been a bit more passive after that 10-minute mark. And it's funny because I would so much rather have it go the other way. I would rather first 10 minutes let Sven farm because he's really good at it, let uh, Perks kind of get comfortable and then start pulling out plays, kind of the X Smithy style, where the you know you let your guys farm out and then you start setting up gank after gank after gank. I, I think that would maybe work a little bit better because it would allow them to get a much better sense of where their opponent is and they can go elsewhere because they're clearly not able to break down defenses five a five. And you know if we're gonna blame anyone for that, I expect how are you doing? Seriously, how are you doing, buddy? You need help. You need some, you need like a hug. You need a, a bath. Like what, what do you need, man? Because you look out of sorts entirely. I have been shocked by how poor he's looked on this stage. And, you know, we can't even say it's international jitters anymore, right? G2 had their chance. They ha have gone now to international events and done well at MSI. There's no excuse anymore. This is Expect's third international tournament. He has to be smarter than this, and he has to be more refined than this. He has to be more glued in than this. And he looks scared. He looks scared. He's playing scared. Uh, you know, as, as a front line, he's not giving his team enough in those mid to late game flanks. I, I think some of that is that they're not communicating with him when they're going in, so he's not necessarily able to set up properly. But some of it's just that he hasn't provided a lot of peel. I, I think that he's his positioning's been a little bit off. I think that he's gotten caught out a couple times, and I think that that's been very punishing for them. I especially think his teleport usage has been horrendous. I mean, they talk about the Samsung game where it's back and forth, and ooh, they keep pushing, and oh, Samsung's right there to defend. I didn't see Expect use his teleport once in that mid-game. I saw him grouping up with his team a lot, which, given that he was playing a Shen in that game and he had this split-pushing potential, right? Like, I don't understand what the plan was there. It really felt like, well, we're not 100% sure on this play, so we'd rather not do it, so then we're not doing anything, so, oh, wait, we just lost. You can't do that. That's not That's not going to work out for you in the long run. And I think that passiveness, especially from him, but I think in the mid to late game in general from this team, is really coming back to haunt them. I, I think obviously it was enough to snowball against Fenerbahce. That's fine. Um, you know, if you want to just be better than Fenerbahce G2, like you're, you're there. Don't worry about that. But if you're going to get out of this group, you've got to start tuning these things around. You've got to start converting small objectives into big objectives and, and playing the map. That used to be your thing. Your thing was look at all these advantages we're getting on the map because we're roaming to the right place at the right time. And, and I don't know, that, that concerns me. I, I'm, I'm still, again, I am recovering from what I just watched from Group B and I'm looking at it like, hey, you know, Maybe G2 remembers this week, right? Like, maybe G2 expect calms down. They, you know, they get him whatever he needs. You know, he hugs his teddy bear or whatever. Whatever it's going to take to get him to feel comfortable. Um, nice, you know, whatever it is. And then they start 
using trick a little bit more proactively in the mid game, start getting a little bit more deep vision, really start um, getting themselves comfortable to take that inner level of towers and, and really take advantage of Sven's strong points because Sven has looked great for the majority of this event. He has died a, couple, a few more times, I think, than he would like, but that's going to happen when you're losing games and, and you're the biggest threat and your top liner isn't really peeling for you. I think the potential's there. I don't think this team by any means is it should be counted out. I think that when you do as much early as they have been doing, it's a really great sign as to the potential. You have put yourself in a position in which it is easier to win games than if it was the other way around, and you were really struggling in the early game. You, you can work from this. You can recover from this. And I, I think, especially with the way that their carries are playing, I, I think Perks has done pretty darn well, with the exception of a couple rise ults that I think led his teammates a little bit to disaster. But that's a shot-calling decision more than a individual player decision. And, and certainly they need to work on that. Certainly they need to figure out how to improve their decision-making in that regard. But I think execution-wise, their carries are there. I believe in this G2 team's potential. I think that this is a team that can genuinely come out of this group, even with this deficit that they're facing right now. But it's going to require a lot. This is an uphill battle against two very talented teams. And while they can somewhat control their fate when it comes to Samsung, they really can't control their fate when it comes to Royal. So they might be in some trouble here. It's going to be a tough road for them to get past. But if they can focus on that mid-game, they can get back to the core of what G2 is, I think they'll be in a good spot. They'll have, they'll have a chance. They'll have a legitimate shot to get out of this group. I, I think it's in play. I'm, I, I, I'm very hopeful for them to, to make that work, but we'll have to see. They have to prove that they can do it. They'll have to prove that their jitters aren't getting to them again. So we'll see what happens there. But now we move on to another team that is surprisingly disappointing so far. Samsung, get on over, man. Two and one. You're not the last team we talk about today. This is the only group that has a Korean team in it that doesn't end on a Korean team. This is nice. Congratulations that you are the team that is standing out right now as a quote-unquote failure because you lost a whole one map in the group stage, which just says so much about the expectations we have for Korea, right? You know, we're seeing Samsung fans online panicking. There are all these points of like, oh, look, Samsung's vulnerable. Maybe they won't be this great team in the in the bracket stage and maybe this is a year in which you know there are only two good teams and i think maybe that's a little bit preemptive and by maybe i think it's absolutely preemptive i i think that people are getting ahead of themselves because it is a fun storyline you know we all want to be better than these korean teams we're so tired of these korean teams just smashing us at every turn and I understand why, you know, it, it's more fun if a different team is able to step up. It's more fun and interesting if we can get some new stories in here. But let's face it, Samsung have shown that they can be a rather smart, talented team. And that win against G2, they were by far the better team on the Rift. And I, I think that so much of it had to do with 
you know, getting that vision control and really rotating around in the mid-game. They prevented anything from snowballing and, and just once they'd sucked up all the momentum, you saw Cuve, who I think overall has had a very good event, peel well for his team. He flanked well. I, I'm really excited to see how this next week goes. I think he had one really bad fight against Royal that's going to stand out, and that's fair. I, I, I think he should be criticized for that. But ultimately, I think he's in an okay spot. I also think that you know, Crown is playing relatively well. I don't think he's been overwhelmingly stellar, but I think if you take away that weird game against Frozen, where I don't know how much he's been practicing against Echo recently, I'm going to guess not a lot because no one in Korea plays it. Um, I think he's been rather solid. I think the, I think overall their their focus on vision above all else is a positive trait to have. But there is a drawback with this, right? Which is that if you are not careful with how you're securing vision, you can give up advantages that you don't mean to give up. And that was a huge problem against Royal. We saw a couple times uh, Ambition and Core JJ stepping up, trying to get those wards placed, trying to, to get some, some vision into the enemy jungle or in the river and didn't have any, any way of knowing, oh look, Royal's there and knows we're coming, and now we're isolated, and now I'm dead. Like, that's... We saw that multiple times, and against a team that is as good mechanically as Royal, as a team that is so good at capitalizing on little moments as Royal is, I, I don't think that's a mistake that you can afford to make. I think that's a death sentence. And it was a death sentence in that game. Royal snowballed over them, and if it wasn't for two towers... They would have been perfect gamed. We haven't seen a Korean team lose in a perfect game on the international stage since Najin White Shield in 2014 to Alliance, which then saw Alliance getting kaboomed the next day. I, I, it's, it doesn't happen. We don't lo watch Korean teams lose this way. When they lose, it's because there's like one big fight that turns against them because they skirmished at the wrong time or they got... You know, it's, it's not supposed to be like a, a complete and total collapse across the board. And they did in that game. They were outplayed in every lane. And so now it, that leaves you wondering, like, well, maybe Haru makes sense, right? Maybe Haru in this meta, he can do something like what Contracts has been doing. He can do something, you know, just like Levi, you know, really get those aggressive junglers going and start attacking people, start building up resources, start snowballing these things out because scaling has proven to be a bit risky. You know, there's certainly everyone's leaning towards ardent sensors, so it's not like we're seeing any pure early game comps, or at least very, very few. But we are seeing comps that are very comfortable spiking in the mid game or mid to late rather than pure late game. And Haru makes a lot of sense for that. And then you actually watch their game against Fenerbahce and you're like, oh dear God, no. Oh, God, what have we done? Oh, no, 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 no. That did not work at all. And I don't care that Haru has a 9.0 KDA in that game because he went 3-1-6. He cannot play because his team does not know how to play around him. He is a liability right now. And there's no shot calling if he's gone. If he's on the rift... They don't seem to know where they need to be. Their rotations were abysmal 
against Fenerbahce. The, they let Fenerbahce sneak a Baron on them. They saw Fenerbahce take, I believe, two in that game. It was this, this was a one-sided uh, affair for a good chunk of it in that mid-to-late game. And if it's not for Frozen going a bit too hard on that echo flank in the late game, uh, that what ended up being the pivotal game-ending fight, I don't know that Samsung win. I think that game was turning in Fenerbahce's favor again. And, you know, was it a, a fight that Fenerbahce needed to take? I don't know. But certainly, as Samsung, you have to be wondering, how in the world did we get to a point at which our ability to win or lose a game relies on Fenerbahce, of all teams, making a mistake? That's not, that's not where you want to be in the slightest. Now, I think getting ambition in will help with that. But ambition, play style-wise, hasn't been fitting in all that well to where the world's meta is. He looks a bit uncomfortable. He's got one, three, and four right now. Hasn't really gotten a lot done. Hasn't been able to build a lot of momentum behind him. And if you look at things like, you know, dragon control percentage, elder control, you know, they're not, you know, their they're baron control certainly not great. They're struggling at a lot of these jungle objectives. And that, to me, is something that I, I, I think we're going to see fixed this week, mostly because Ambition's pathing outside of those couple big moments has been very strong. They're currently um, in, in second right now with the high, uh, second highest jungle control percentage at 54.5%. Ambition knows how to get early camps, and if you look at the lane efficiency, the ability to capitalize on that, well, Samsung are also third in that, 52.0%. Uh, the Korean th teams are the three teams on top of lane efficiency. Who could have seen that coming? Oh, right, everyone. We all saw this coming. All hail our Korean overlords. But what that tells me is that it is unlikely that Samsung is going to stall out in the same way that they stalled out this past week. It is unlikely that once they get ambition in there, they're going to make the kind of mistakes uh, as far as you know, around, vision around Baron and then really picking those mid to late game objectives correctly as they did with Haru, I think the ambition hopefully is going to find some things in his champion pool or he's a little bit more comfortable. But certainly he's not a terrible jungler by any means. I, I think he's playing fine. I think that he's just had at least one really bad game because Royal beat them across the board. And I think that if you're counting on a Chinese team to consistently be as strong on those skirmishes as they as Royal was in that game. I, I don't know. I'll get to Royal in a second, but I think that Samsung has a lot of reasons to be optimistic. They have certain key factors that winning teams always have in their back pocket despite having two bad games last week. I think they're going to learn from it. I think they're going to recover from it. I think that this is where Korean infrastructure really takes over, right? Where they're going to realize, well, Ambition, these are the jungle champions you need to be playing, and so we'll get you on these instead of what we were doing. And, hey, we know now that this, you know, this Baron has been snuck around enough times that we really want to put that vision a little bit earlier than we did when we were in Korea. Little adjustments like that are going to go a long way with this team because the fundamentals are clearly there. And I think that that puts them in a, in a nice spot it's just such a shame that Ambition and Haru, you can't just combine them into a single player 
that can play these meta champions that has this insane kill potential, but also knows what roaming means and knows how to uh, really set up ganks in the mid to late game. It's a shame, but as things stand, I think Samsung will stick to ambition. I think that they're going to bounce back this week. I have high hopes for them. I, I think that they're the best team in this group. I know that, that saying that seems like an insult to Royal, and maybe it is, but we have to talk about Royal, right? Let's. If you want to understand my concern about this team, you only need to look at just how extravagant these KDA numbers are, right? Ming is 0, 0, and 33 right now. I, that's not sustainable. 9-1-21 from Zhao Hu, that's not sustainable. 18-1-10 for Uzi. Uzi's died one time so far? That's not sustainable, especially when we have to look at one of the more fascinating numbers, which is that their early game rating is 49.0. They're actually below average in the early game right now. And yet this team that is built on being very aggressive around getting these mid to late game skirmishes, around taking these 5v5s and getting the most out of them, they're able to do so while playing from a deficit. And that's really hard to do for a long term. And it's, that requires your opponent to slip up in some key ways, and it requires a lot of... I don't want to say luck, because that would imply that Royal didn't earn these wins, and I think they definitely they definitely did, but it's there's a consistency that is being portrayed because we've only seen three games that I just I wanna talk people down to earth a little bit on. But look, if, if we're gonna get hype about this team, because we should get hype about this team, this is a very strong team. Their engage potential was surprisingly strong against uh, Samsung. I, I thought that they really impressed me with the way that they were able to instigate these fights. I think MLXG has impressed me quite a bit. He's a, a full tier ahead of where I thought he was. I thought he was a B-tier jungler. I'm willing to say that he's an A-tier jungler right now. I don't think he's an S-tier, but I think he can compete with the majority of junglers at this event and more than hold his own. I thought his flanks in that mid-game have been great. I think Lenmi has surprised me. He's been a very pleasant surprise in that he's not only been able to eke out little wins in the early game, but he's his teleports have been on point. And I, I think that when you have someone like that who can make these skirmishes work for you, it just goes such a long way. And, and I think that the two of them have done a great job at letting Uzi and Zhao Hu be comfortable enough that they could pop off. And that is what's been happening. They have had these little flanks that then turn into massive wins because they were able to get those next level of objectives off of it. And that's nice to see. It's nice to look at a team that I think had some clear issues in my mind on picking the right fights, when you see them you know, doing such a great job at maximizing what they get from those fights, that to me is a great sign of the future for them. That to me is an example for how we should expect 
them to play moving forward. I think that we're at a point now where Royal, we have to assume, is going to be a top contender to win this group. I think we should almost certainly say they're going to get out of this group. And I think that, if nothing else, we should be very interested to see in how they can maintain this kill pressure, this insane amount of just damage that feels, seems like it comes out of nowhere sometimes that Zhao Hu and Uzi bring. They're just, oh, you gave us a small opening? Here's all of the damage. Here's literally all of it. And now you're just dead, and we got all the kills. And Uzi's got 18 kills so far at this event, and he loves resetting with that Tristana. And it's really nice. It's really nice to see. I, I don't know if it's sustainable just because... When, when you look at things like lane efficiency, for instance, Royal is 11th at 48.9%. You look at things like Jungle Control, also 11th, 47.5%. I, I think these are concerns. I think that we look at that G2 game and we have to ask the question, if Perks doesn't overextend and outplay their hand and allow them to be so easily flanked, do Royal win that game? I'm not sure that they do. I think that that's a very losable game for Royal, and I'm concerned to see exactly what that means in the long run. For now, it's just this weird blinking red warning light to me. It tells me this is a team that is getting by on enemy mistakes, which is fine. You need to be able to capitalize on those things, right? That is a skill. I do not want to imply that it is not a skill, that they haven't earned this. But they did have a lot of benefit from G2 inting in that series. And I think they had a huge benefit in the positioning mistakes that we saw from Samsung in that match. I think that if Core JJ isn't so aggressive at warding and ambition maybe overextends a little bit too far, I don't know that it would have been so easy for Royal to have that snowball really go into effect. I think that they benefit quite a bit from how they've been able to kind of pick apart the worst games of their opponents. And I, I will say that if anything is going to perturb me the most, it's ironically their game against Fenerbahce, because that was a game in which Royal looked a little scared. They didn't know how to close that game out. They struggled very much to get the waves that they needed to take that game. It took a couple Barons, which really shouldn't have been the case. This is not a team that should be struggling this hard to make a play. And given how many advantages they had on their side at that point, well, maybe they're not so great at being in the driver's seat. Maybe there are flaws that are not being exploited right now because the enemy's mistakes were more. There were just there were more misplays on G2's side, there were more misplays from Samsung's side. So if Samsung or G2 take a step up, is Royal going to be able to continue to compete at that level? I want to say yes. I for the record, I know this is one of those like, oh, you're waiting for the, the twist, right? This is when Chase says, oh yeah, no, this Royal team, I'm picking them to, to fail here this week. I think they're gonna fall out completely. I don't think that's the case. Uh, and I don't think that's the case because I think Uzi's really good at League of Legends. Oh my god. 
he has popped off so many times and has done such a good job at cleaning up the back line of his opponent, shredding through tanks when needed. I think his positioning has been among the best I've ever seen it at his career. Uh, you know, I, I said in the previews that I thought that Uzi was the same guy that he was at previous world championships. Like, oh yeah, if you've watched Uzi before, well, you know what you're going to get with Uzi. I might have been wrong on that. I think maybe he has taken a step forward. I think that he's looked like a star player in a way that I didn't see when I was watching his LPL playoffs. He's really solid, and he's going to continue to be really solid. I think Zhao Hu is very comfortable in this meta. Uh, Zhao Hu loves nothing more than to be able to roam after the 15-minute mark and really push those side waves out. This feels like a perfect royal meta. If you could have asked RNG at the beginning of this tournament, what do you want the meta to be? I, th I think they would have said this. Oh yeah, let's put Ming on Janna and Lulu, the two champions that Ming is best at, as far as I can tell. Let's put MLXG on junglers that are more important for the crowd control that they bring than straight up kill pressure. That's about perfect for what you want from MLXG. It's nice. It's nice to see this team and all of the potential that we've seen in, in the roster for a while now really come together. And this is why I remind you guys that we're not that far away from a time in which Royal was perennially seen as a top-tier team that was able to threaten the Koreans. You know, Season 3, who was in the finals against SK Telecom? It was Royal. Who do we see in the, in the finals in the 2014 World Champion? Well, it's Royal again. 2015 is really where we start seeing these Chinese teams fall back a little bit, but note that Royal wasn't there that year, and when Royal did play at 2016, they were able to get their way out of the, the bracket, the, out of the group stage, into a bracket where they unfortunately played SK Telecom, and you know, maybe that 3-1 doesn't look so bad now that we know that SK Telecom go on to win that final, so... There's a lot of potential with this team. I think this is the best I've felt about a Chinese team in a while. I, I, I feel the need to point out those warning signs, right? The lane efficiency, jungle control, early game. Those are three big problems. And if I'm wrong about having faith in Royal, those will be the three things to come back to haunt this team. It'll be that they stop being able to set up plays as easily because they're no longer in a spot where they can push those waves out where they can get that next hit um they are going to be at a spot where maybe g2 doesn't make so many mistakes and they don't do it as poor of flanks or samsung is a little bit sharper when they try to get vision they go as two or three rather than one that could be killed so it's possible that the bottom falls out of this royal boat but i think that what they do well they're doing as well as they have at any point that I remember, uh, going back to Season 3 and Season 4, I, I think this is one of those years where if they can keep their nerves up, it's absolutely in play that they're able to uh, get themselves to the bracket stage for sure, maybe even win this group, hopefully get a second-place team that's not a Korea. Now they're in the semifinals. Ooh, ooh, that'd be spicy. I think... I think it would be really fun to watch Uzi play in a semifinal series again. 
And, you know, from there, you know, it, it all depends. At that point, you're playing the best of the best, and you got to beat, you know, these top, top-tier guys. But right now, for Royal, they're in the sweet spot. They, as long as they only lose one game, they're guaranteed to advance. Uh, and, and I think that, that that alone is a great sign for them. Uh, I'm very excited to see how things go. And I think the casinos are excited to see where this goes as well, because this is a really interesting set of lines. Uh, let's start with the, the one that I'm most excited by, which is that Royal and Samsung. Samsung is a 1.77 favorite uh, versus Royal, who's at even odds at 2.00. That is amazing. That is a huge gap closer from where that line was last week. And that just says so much about the respect that Royal is being given by the bookmakers. I think that it's a respect they absolutely deserve, to be clear. I, I think that this is a very fair line. I'm actually kind of mad that I can only get even odds for Royal. You know, dang it, Unicorn, you're not supposed to, you know, adjust your lines properly for this. But, I mean, it's... It's a really close game, and I, I think, I, I think Samsung can win it. I think that this could be a, you know, two teams at five and one play a tiebreaker scenario. That's where my mind is taking it right now. But that's also because I just have this bias in the back of my head, right? The Koreans have to be good. They have to be able to pull it out. So, so I don't know. I, I think that that's a very fair line, and I think that if you want to take Royal at even, I. I don't blame you in the slightest. I think that's there's some real value there. Uh, the other two Royal lines, real quick, 1.42 for Royal over G2 Esports at 2.75. I think that's very fair. I, I don't know that G2 can keep up with Royal's aggression. I do think that if you're going to bet for G2, you're going to take that you know, 275. Uh, you're really looking at can... Trick, can Mithy, can the 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 supporting members of this team do enough so that G two is picking the fights when they want to, which is almost always not against Royal. You know, can they disengage well? Can they focus on this kind of macro game where they're pushing towers and they only take skirmishes when they absolutely need to? I, I think. For 2.75, that's a reasonable bet. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd be confident enough in it, just because I think Royal and, uh, looked a, a tier above G2. I think G2 right now has to prove it to me before I'm willing to put that faith in them. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe G2 has this next layer and all of those nice things that are going their way. Since they're the exact things that are going against Royal Never Give Up, maybe that's is the moment where they take advantage of it. It's it's very much in play. Um, Royal Never Give Up, 1.23 over Fenerbahce, who is a 3.90. I I don't think there's any reason to believe in Fenerbahce here. I, I don't believe in Fenerbahce when G2 is a 1.23 favorite at 3.9 again for Fenerbahce. I don't know why those lines are the same, mind you. But they are, and I, I don't know. I guess if you're a Fenerbahce fan, you really believe they're going to take one. 
uh, take the 390 against G2 rather than against Royal for obvious reasons, but it's a little weird that they're the same. It, it kind of implies that Royal and G2 don't have too much of a difference to them, which, as we know from the very, you know, from that G2 Royal line, is just not the case. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. That seems seems a little bit off to me, but hey, uh, I don't think Fenerbahce is going to win anyway. And of course, that last line, uh, Samsung, 1.11 against Fenerbahce at 6.00. I'm sorry, Fenerbahce, you're just, you're outmatched in this group. It's just not, it's not going to work out. It's unfortunate, but you know, at least we got to watch Frozen play. If Frozen locks in Aurelian Soul against G2, that could do it. It's about, that's the extent of my faith in Fenerbahce. But, you know, that's, that's where I land. I want to hear where you guys land, and that's what that lovely comment section is for. So please do, if you enjoyed this video, uh, like, comment, subscribe. All of that stuff genuinely does help, uh, and every single one of you lovely listeners does mean the world to me for that. So I uh, really do appreciate it. I love keeping that conversation going. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can find me at RedShirtKing on Twitter. Of course, you can also find all of the articles that I write on Unicorn.com, our lovely presenting sponsor for this podcast. Go to Unicorn.com, U-N-I-K-R-N. Uh, go to eSports News, and you'll get to read all of my lovely articles. I wrote one yesterday about Fnatic and about what they would need to do and the heavy stakes that they were facing given that they were falling behind, and they managed to accomplish all the things I was very much afraid of. Uh, but I'm also going to be doing a couple match previews. I looked at G2 versus Samsung a little bit more in detail. I've got one coming up the pipeline on TSM versus Misfits. Uh, and then, of course, I have an article I've been working on on Cloud9 that's coming up later this week. So there's a lot of fun stuff. There's going to be a lot of great content for you all to look forward to. You're not going to want to miss it, so do make sure that you're watching that page. And come back tomorrow when I'm going to take a look at Group D of the World Championship. We're going to look at uh, this three-way tie that we've got going on, which should be a ton of fun. should be very exciting. I, I'm now going to go take some time and cry out that Immortals loss. But until next time, goodbye, Internet.